0: I was 20 years old. I think I just turned 20 years old. And I was a sophomore in college um, when Roe versus Wade came into being. I was not sexually active. I attended a Christian university, a liberal arts school. I was surrounded, I think, by a very loving community, loving God. And I never thought about having an abortion. I didn't know anyone that had ever had an abortion, and I don't think it was top of mind for me personally. However, when Roe versus Wade made the news and came into being, I can remember feeling overwhelming relief, not for myself, but for all of the women out there who had had to make these terrible, terrible decisions about choosing to end a pregnancy and the way that it was done before Roe versus Wade. And it never occurred to me in that little cocoon of my beautiful little Christian community that it was a right or a wrong. It was that a wrong was being righted by this law being put into effect for a myriad of women around the United States. I think if that girl felt that kind of relief when she had never wondered, am I pregnant? Am I going to get pregnant? I mean, those, at that point in time, those were not even my worries. And yet I felt overwhelming relief and I have felt a sense of security every year that has gone by with Roe versus Wade in place. It is symbolic of progress. It is symbolic of a million things for women. It is symbolic of the hope that women will one day get paid the same as men. It is the hope that women will be trusted with important decisions. It will it is the hope that our our minds and our bodies and our capabilities are every bit as valued as those of our male counterparts. And so I have to say, Friday was a pretty sad day for me. And while I am absolutely pro-choice, that doesn't mean I'm pro-abortion, but it could mean I am. That's a private choice. I am pro-choice, 100%. And for all of those that are rejoicing in this, I just want to say this, this is not the tip of the iceberg. The iceberg is up. It is showing itself. The tip came a long time ago. And this is just the beginning. So be very, very careful. And when one day you look around with wonder and shock, Wondering how these other rights of yours and these other privileges of yours have been sent back to the dark ages. This is how it started. For everyone out there that is grieving, I would ask you to take action. This is one of those kind of things where we can't afford to not take action. If nothing else, just the box you check when you vote. If the Supreme Court had only let the women vote, Roe versus Wade would not be overturned. We would not be having this discussion today. I don't need any man, including a grandfather, an uncle, a father, a husband, or a son, telling me what to do with my reproductive system. I would hope that if I got pregnant and for some reason didn't feel capable, competent, or whatever reason for wanting that child that I would solicit my partner's opinion. He would get a voice, not a vote, because the vote in the end has to be owned by me. But it also means that the consequences of whatever that choice is are owned by me as well. And for all of those that are saying it's a sin and they're saving someone's life, that's really between me and God. And if I were to sin, and if it is a sin, then I am willing to answer for it. And actually, I don't know, when I get to the pearly gates, I don't think God is going to call anybody else up and ask for their opinion. So it deeply, deeply, deeply saddens me. It saddens me for the obvious, it saddens me that there are so many states now that a trigger law has gone into effect. It saddens me for the incestual acts that will happen where girls will get pregnant and be forced to carry children to term. It saddens me that mothers will be lost in the birthing process because they won't take the child when it's deemed medically necessary. It saddens me that something as normal as a miscarriage in a DNC may not get to... to We may not get to have the normal medical protocols because a life is in question. It saddens me that the medical professional will forever have to look at their job differently with fear and intimidation and caution as they do it. It saddens me that there is a group of people in the United States that they think have a vote on my body and my decisions. I wanna say this, I know there are women in the streets and when you look in the news, you see periodically, I mean, you do see some men with them, but this really is a time for all the men that are pro-choice to stand up and support the women that are pro-choice. The men that are the loudest right now are the men that are pro-life and we need the pro-choice men to be just as loud, as the pro life men. I want to read, I follow a, a, a pastor that I really, really love, and his name is John Pavlovitz, and this is what he wrote on Friday. There's a strange moment in nearly all of my interactions with professed pro life women, one that never fails to disorient me and grieve me. Whether they're tossing venomous diatribes into my Twitter, Mentions tagging me with exploit laden Facebook attacks or standing in front of me with self righteous condescension, I eventually have a realization. Only one of us believes she should have full autonomy over her own body, and it isn't her. I am not pro abortion. Like nearly all pro choice human beings, I never rejoice over or celebrate these decisions because I know that they are ones that are reached after arduous deliberation and great pain, and that they are often born out of emotional trauma, physical assault, or dire medical news. I know that abortions are not chosen impulsively or without careful or prayer wrestling. I believe in education and in birth control and in doing everything possible not to create an unwanted pregnancy. All pro-choice people I know believe these things. But at the end of all of that, I defer to the woman because I simply don't believe what happens within the confines of her body is any of my business. And I can't comprehend why any woman would contest such a belief. How, in my validation of her autonomy, I am viewed as her enemy. I am fully unwavering for her. The sanctity of her sentient life is non negotiable for me. There is a sad irony at play when I realize that a pro-life woman arguing with a pro-choice man like myself is essentially relinquishing control over her destiny to other men, and I am saying she deserves better. I wish we were allies in this and not adversaries because my respect for her is complete. I am a pro-life man in that I am pro the lives of women and believe that ultimately they should not be compelled by the law or the church or by other men to make a decision about their bodies and intimate lives that they do not wish to make. It would give me great joy if more professed pro-life women simply agreed with me. It would give me great joy if more pro-choice men would just stand loudly and proudly with the women that they love. Let's start the podcast. Welcome to the Deb and Kev podcast. One is a Harvard Business School alum. The other is her son, discussing business, pop culture, family, and everything in between. Now, here are your hosts,
1: Deb and Kev. Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to the Deb and Kev podcast. Sitting over there, she's been cast as Dottie Hinson in the new Amazon series, A League of Their Own. It's my mom, Deb. Deb. Oh my God, I'm dying to be Dottie. I am Deb. And that makes me the burned out, often drunk coach, Jimmy Dugan. There's no crying in baseball. I'm her son, Kev, and this is our podcast. I'm not crying, it's the pollen. (laughs) On today's show, in her business segment, the great and powerful Deb will be discussing emotional intelligence in the workplace, or maybe depending on who you are, lack thereof. We are going to ask Deb 10 questions to find out What's Deb? And just like that unwanted family member during the holiday season, we'll stop over this episode by telling you what's for dinner and what we're thankful for. But first, great job. Thank you. Great job. Thank you. It, I We couldn't look at nope. each other. <laughs> uh, we started it. Uh, I looked at Deb within the first five seconds. Uh, we both got teary, teary-eyed, and she said, can't look at me. And I said, fair enough. <laughs> so for, for Deb's monologue, her soliloquy, I just stared in every other direction than directly at her. And then when it was all said and done, we just cried. Yep. So clearly, that's where I stand. Uh, we do not have any judgment on anybody else. We just act that, We ask that everybody respects everybody in this clearly emotional time couple stories to get to okay that are non-emotional we, like we triggers need, we
0: need some johnny depp right now
1: Seriously, <laughs> can we get an amber heard update <laughs> exactly. is she at sam's club yet exactly hey I, i'll tell you something i saw so speaking of our panhandling outside on the road no speaking of jimmy
0: dugan who uh-huh. uh who is i mean tom hanks the lovable tom hanks it's true right so i just saw a thing on instagram where tom and his wife were walking oh and he goes it hard just, at yeah, oh yeah and they had bodyguards around him yeah But like, it looked like somebody bumped into somebody who, I mean, like a group of kids. Of course, because
1: there's like 50 people around them.
0: And Rita Wilson kind of went like she could launch. Like she caught herself. There was a post. And I am telling you, like, I loved that Tom Hanks, right? Angry Tom Hanks. Angry Tom Hanks. And here's the difference. What was between the difference between Tom Hanks and Will Smith? I thought of that. Like Tom Hanks did throw out an F-bomb, but- Tom Hanks just stood firmly like a father yeah and like looked at those boys like it's that
1: stare with yes, no words coming out of your yes. mouth that every person regardless of age can feel like they're seven yes again and that's exactly. what he did it was big dad energy
0: I'm telling you will Smith needs to look at that a ten thousand times and learn from it
1: did I say that we're recording in the mornings now uh well you you were you, you actually insinuated that we might okay, last time. Okay, so we're, we're recording in the mornings now because it gets warmer in our house yeah. in the afternoons. And to ask Deb and I to sit in an office for an hour and a half with no air on is a safety hazard.
0: Well, listen, I looked, you know, you. the only reason we, I think, nobody watches us on youtube no the only reason that you actually record anymore is so you have some stuff for social media that's it which then i feel compelled to look halfway decent you know for the monday episodes okay but i looked at last week's and i had that really bright pink which i don't i normally wear black right normally (laughs) which she's wearing today which i'm wearing today appropriately so and uh I looked at myself and my hair wasn't moving. And I felt like I had a little southern yeah. big hair, you know, colorful it was thing humid going in on. Here too. And it was humid <laughs> in here. And I just want to say if it gets if it if this is a dreadful summer, it's just gonna be I'm gonna take a shower. Yeah. I'm gonna walk down here yeah. and hope that while I dry off, yeah. Right, like people are just gonna have to look at
1: me like that. We need to convert the basement. We just need to yeah. convert the basement. It won't look nearly as nice. It, it's gonna yeah. look like an absolute yeah. dungeon, but at least we'll be cool. But the reason I'm telling you that we're recording in the morning is if you hear any noises, blame our obnoxious neighbors. Well, because. Because they're still redoing the roof, the roof seven weeks into it. Here, here's the thing that's going on in the roof.
0: It is now down to one guy.
1: Oh, terrible.
0: And I think he does. I'm just going to guess like five square feet a day. So at at you, the most. you hear him up there. You hear him dragging stuff around yeah. and this and that. And then the pounding starts, yeah.
1: right? And it's weird because it's not like roof nailing. It's not like one dish, Yeah. dish. It's like, it's literally for minutes. Yeah. So I don't even know what he's hammering. I think he's just trying to piss off the neighborhood.
0: Well, and then I had to laugh. I don't go to, you know, that app next door. Oh yeah, it, which is vicious horrible. and horrible. Like I mean, so bad. Makes, well, it's
1: like it's social media.
0: Well, it makes Facebook look nice. Yeah. which is super sad. And the really sad part of it is most of the really awful people are all boomers, 100. Like
1: story <laughs> of mean, life currently. A
0: whole generation of people that I don't know are angry about the neighborhood they live in. That still checks out. But I get little like every once in a while you just get a little, um, like on on a feed you get a little like a you alert. Know, just, yeah, alert. So. I looked and it was like, I'm so sorry for my dogs. So I really quick clicked on it. Oh, nice. I'm so sorry my dogs have been barking, right? But then you can go and see what neighbor, where that neighbor lives, right? Sorry, wrong neighborhood. Dang it. I know somebody else is really sorry that they were gone from their house. And that's like an appropriate person. Of course. I was gone from my house. I was gone too long, longer than anticipated. I understand my dogs barked and barked and barked. Please forgive me. It won't happen again. Yeah. Responsible neighbor. Sadly, not in our cul-de-sac of the world. Horrible.
1: Yeah. So just know if you hear weird background noise, it's not that we can do. We're trying to have a good show while not suffocate from heat stroke. And then the neighbors are just going to neighbor. Two stories to get to. Okay. They released Brian Laundrie's notebook. Oh. The contents of Brian Laundrie. Now, obviously, this takes us almost back to a year ago with the, 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 Missing story of Gabby Petito Mm -hmm. and she and her boyfriend, the very French-sounding Brian Laundrie. Which is really laundry, let's be honest. Got into a Sprinter van in Florida, went all the way across the country and were touring kind of the West Coast national parks. Then all of a sudden, Gabby Petito went missing. Then all of a sudden, Brian showed back up in Florida without her. It was very clear that- He went on vacation with mom and dad, which was weird. Yeah, it was very clear that something nefarious had happened. the Laundrie family- did not help in any capacity at all. Then all of a sudden, Brian Laundrie was missing. And then all of a sudden, Brian Laundrie was dead in a Florida Everglades park.
0: With a notebook yep. in swampland yep. that water had filled and then rescinded on
1: yep. that was in a dry bag. So it was all protected. Right, And his parents happened to be in that park, ready to go scout for him the day that he was found. Have, have you read what he said in his journal? Or no, in this notebook. no, I have not read it. So here's what it says. And and obviously, everything we do is judging after the fact, right? We clearly have no earthly idea what actually happened. Though, like any couple who travels across the country, it ended in murder. Well, and I do want to say this.
0: You were recently accused of being a little judgy.
1: It's going to be every day <laughs> of my life. And I know on the podcast we're kind of judgy.
0: Yeah. I mean... That's the entertainment.
1: We, wait, here's here's my question. Do we not get to judge murderers
0: now? Well, I do think we do. Okay, and, and thank then, God. And then I'm also going to say this. We also get to judge Johnny Depp and Amber Heard.
1: Of course. I don't mean, like, open yourself on. to the, the public eye if you're not willing to take some very harsh podcast criticism right. from the number one podcast in the world. But here's again,
0: our opinions, we've we have invalidated. Don't ever listen to them. We've invalidated yeah. our own
1: opinions a thousand times. Don't ever listen to him. So, so,
0: if you think I'm judgy, just talk to me for 5 minutes yeah. and I'll agree with you that I am and that I'm wrong.
1: Sit there and say, does the guy who killed his sweet girl next door mm-hmm. from small town USA deserve to be judged? And I think that's going to be an emphatic yes. Yes. Here's what it says. I ended her life, wrote laundry in the notebook, which was found in October 2021. I thought it was merciful, that it was what she wanted, but I see now all the mistakes I made. I panicked. I was in shock, but from the moment I decided, took away her pain, I knew I couldn't go on without her. It goes on to essentially say that they were hiking. Yeah. She tripped, she fell, she hit her head. Yeah. She was disoriented. There was a little notch on her head that continued to grow and grow and grow. To the likes of which she couldn't get up, she couldn't move. Like a hematoma, something Something like that. along those yeah. lines. And the French frog himself, yeah. Brian Landre, thought, instead of doing everything in my power to help my, what, 21, 22-year-old girlfriend...
0: Otherwise, really healthy person.
1: Get back to the Sprinter van, which, let's be honest, probably isn't that far away. The only recourse I have is to kill her. Well, strangle her. Strangle her to death, and then just leave her and go home and chill with the fam. This girl, if anybody remembers, is small. I mean, she was... Super small. Petite. Yeah.
0: So... Even if he felt, I mean, let's just go through this. So this thing is growing on her head. She's all disoriented, blah, blah, blah. I don't know how we go from, even if she weighed 400 pounds, I don't know how we go from that to, I think I should do a mercy killing here. Okay. I can't even say that with a straight face. So clearly
1: this is uh, th- this is trying to, in death, control the narrative, right? right like right. This, is, this is written after the fact. Because
0: no one says, end your life. No one says that.
1: Deb no one says are you hurt you, okay it's time to kill you <laughs> no one <laughs> this, says that this this isn't like yeah. the stone age where yeah. where a scratch means imminent death so he he clearly wrote this to somehow appease everybody who will come after him and maybe some and, and try to like not tarnish the tarnish the laundry name which like too late your last name sucks anyways mm-hmm. But to think that even in death, that somehow people are going to be like, "Mm, no, that checks out. She stumbled, she hurt herself. He looked at he, he he assessed the surroundings, and because he has a sprinter van, and he's been in national parks, he thought the best thing to do is strangle my girlfriend. Yeah. Watch the life drain from her eyes. Yeah. Then just leave her right there. Get back in the car, haul ass home, and then go on vacay with the fam.
0: Listen, I've watched enough, like, Viking movies and mm. stuff like that, yeah. okay? And those people knew. Like, you know, a small injury could have been the a, end a of you, Then
1: A cough, they're already building the casket.
0: And you know what they did? I mean, like with the Vikings, they take his own sword. Yeah. His best friend looks at him in the eyes because they know. Right. I mean, you're so injured. They literally have the courtesy to stab them through the heart simultaneously putting the sword in their own hands so they'll go to Valhalla. These are the things I know, right? From Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Is there any better authority? I mean, no. first of all... Get in the freaking van and drive. By the way, she was posting on social media. Yeah. Just drive until you get service.
1: But according to Laundry, Even Laundrie, again, if she weighs 400 pounds and you can't get her in the van. But according to Laundry, even her posts on social media were cries for help. So he just wanted to end it all. Her, but she wasn't injured with those. Well, if you were to ask Brian Laundrie, oh I'll bet gosh. he would say, even though it looks like she's happy and she's having a great time and we're putting on this great front, she was really asking for me to kill her at the first sign.
0: That is the weakest weakest, weakest. I mean, what would have been better was she fell. She Okay, let me help you out here, Brian.
1: She fell. Well, here's, I'm going to just get to the conclusion. What would have been better is you not killing your girl, right? <laughs> Well,
0: that would have been better. But what would have been better if she really would have fallen, if she really would have hit her head, if you really had a brain, if you really would have thought, I can't move her, right? right? And I've got to go get help. That you go get help. And then I mean, whatever happened to her happened to her. Right. But she doesn't get strangled by herself. Right.
1: That's not a thing. Yeah. I think every smart decision can be can come down to was your was your problem solved by killing the person? Yeah. And it's probably always a no. So, so- if you can just not get to The best way to solve this current issue is to murder the person in front of me. Yeah. You're in a great headspace.
0: Okay. So let's have an agreement. Uh Uh-huh. Because I do worry about when I get older. Yeah. Or if I get frail. Mm -hmm.
1: Because I know how you are. If you trip and fall in the driveway, Deb, (laughs) fingers, (laughs) hands around your throat, it's over because I can't possibly get you back in the house. (laughs) So even if you can't get me back in the house. Yeah. Even if you can't get me in the car. (laughs) Just cover you with a blanket out in the driveway. (laughs) Cover me with the blanket. But do not strangle me. Fair. Do not strangle me. Very reasonable request. Okay. The other thing I understood is that the Petito family is now suing the suing the laundry family for $30,000 for like impediment to an That's investigation all? to which Obviously, I don't think either family is super well off. I know, but at that point, you scramble, you find 30, and you just get right. to it. It's a civil suit, and they yeah. clearly just need some element of mental reparations. They need as, them to be guilty. Of course, because yeah. they are, because yeah, they for sure yeah. are. And nobody is saying what they would do in that moment, but I have to believe that hiding your son who became a fugitive and very much knowing where he was going to kill himself because you were in the park the day they found the body— I think it's, it's pretty clear that you were culpable, so just pay that money and move pay on. Pay the money and move on.
0: I mean, listen, one of the things you and I talked about at the time was if you came to me and said, this is what I did, yeah. right? I mean, oh, dear Jesus. I don't think we would go on vacation first. I'm pretty sure that, that wouldn't happen. Could there be a period of time where I would feel like I want to hunker down in my home with you to spend some time with you because I know the minute this call is made— yeah. It's all over. Do you know what I mean? Like yep. you're going to be, they're taking you. You're going to be gone. Yes. But also, as I say that out loud, none of that time together is fun. No. It's complete misery. Right. It's angst. Right. It is just waiting. Yeah. If you last 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours, it's a miracle, right? At that point, someone just has to say, we have to go to the police. Right. You have to turn yourself in. There is no other choice which I can turn you into the police and simultaneously love and adore you and have my heart broken, right?
1: All true. So I guess the next time we'll address the Petito Laundry thing is when they clearly win the civil suit oh, against the Laundry family. So painful. I received my now fourth COVID vaccination. Yep. It was a real conflict, Yeah. both internally and externally. Because you and dad both have your fourth shot. Yep. I'm also can't believe that we're still talking about COVID, but it's, it's extremely real. It's here. We know people every day who are suffering from it. Oh, one of our good friends is sicker than a dog. We know people who are still getting shots. We know people who are still wearing masks, who are scared to travel, who are scared to go to big events. All of that is still very real, regardless yeah. of whatever the current news story is of the day. I wanted to get my fourth COVID shot because I had gotten my booster in November. I had gotten COVID in January. Dad is obviously immunocompromised. Both of you are over the the the, the age limit where it could be detrimental to your health. So I just thought, well, I want to go get mine. But I didn't want to get mine, but I, right. I wanted to go get mine, but that's I did how, not. Right. I think that's how everybody yeah, feels. I did not want to go get it, if that makes sense. So I go to Sam's Club and it's like nobody there. And I'm like, oh, I thought, oh my gosh, this is totally amazing. I'm going to walk right up because last time I went to Sam's Club to get the boosters, 30 people there. I go up and I say, hey, I'm here for the fourth booster. And she said, oh, well, do you fall in one of these demographics? And one of the demographics is you're 50 years or older, you're 12 years or older and immunocompromised or you're immunocompromised. And one of those feels like it's an overlap of the same thing, it but does. those were the categories. It does. And I said, well, I'm not but I live with somebody who is. So then she went and grabbed the piece of paper and she said, oh, I don't know that it applies, but does the person you live with fall under one of these categories, which was undergoing chemotherapy treatment for cancer? And I said, mm-hmm. yeah, right here. So she says, great, hand me your ID, fill out both of these sheets of paper, and we'll get you going. Are you good with Pfizer? I said, I'm a Phi till I die kind of guy.
0: Yeah, I've switched over to Pfizer, yeah.
1: yeah. I filled out all the paperwork, and on the very last question, it says, "Are you 12 years old or older and immunocompromised? Are you 50 years old or are you immunocompromised?" And I thought, "Well, this isn't one of the categories that I'm applying for." Because right? she had another
0: category about somebody undergoing treatment,
1: right? And so I show it to the pharmacist, and I say, "Well, what do I check?" To which now a different person says, "Well, if you don't cat, if you're not under one of these categories, we can't give you the shot." So here's my thought. Do I just blatantly lie in that moment to get the pharmacist to give me the shot because I'm already here? Or have I already crossed crossed the threshold where everybody's going to look at me and just say, uh, no, dude, you've already really tipped and played your hand here. There's nothing that we can do for you. So I acquiesce and I don't do what Kevin would normally do. And I just tell the truth. And I call you and I say, they won't give me the shot as if I'm some like petulant child. (laughs) They won't give me the shot, mama. And so (laughs) tell me to lie, give me permission. And so I say, but I feel like I need this, even though I don't want it. I feel like I need it. And you said, well, you can come home, we can figure it out. But here's what I had already done: I had already structured my next day because the second shot and the third shot, the the exact same timeline of I felt kind of weak an hour after, then I bounced back and I felt good. Then in, in the middle of the night, I got really achy, and from from. Like 8 a.m. until 5 p.m. the day after, my body's sore, I'm run down, I'm a little lightheaded, and I just need to chill. So I had stacked my entire Friday to be pretty much off balance because of the shot. So I thought to myself, screw it. What would Kevin do here? Kevin would drive to the nearest (laughs) Walgreens. (laughs) Kevin would look up an immunocompromised disease Mm -hmm. when he gets that. That doesn't show. Right. When he gets that box, he's going to check it. He's going to figure out that, you know what nobody can tell you have? Lupus. (laughs) And listen, uh, as his mother, I want to apologize to everybody
0: out there that has an autoimmune disease, including lupus. I still don't know what lupus is. I am dreadfully sorry, but we feel like
1: we have to really, really, really protect this guy in the next room. I nine times, 99 times out of a hundred would not have gotten this shot. It's only because of my unique circumstances with the people who I share a house with, with the amount of travel that I have coming up and seeing other people whose, whose boosters have probably lapsed, Mm -hmm. seeing what they're enduring. It's just a protection for myself and for the other people around me. So I didn't want to do it, but I did go to Walgreens. I did say I had lupus. I did work with Jojo to schedule an appointment for an hour out. And she looked at me and she said, we can get you in right now. Shout out my girl Jojo, not the musician, the one who works at Walgreens. And then my girl Maria, who was so nice. I applauded her and all of her staff for helping us. I said, what you guys do is amazing. I know it can't be easy. Working at Walgreens is probably never the funnest thing in the world on top of going through a pandemic. And she was just... So appreciative of my kind words. I do words. want to
0: say this. What he's not telling everybody is he was unbelievably judgy of the Walgreens and uh, the clientele. I think at the Walgreens I that he had was at.
1: More teeth in my head than the ten <laughs> other people waiting there for God knows what. One of the girls who was in front of me, clearly unhoused. Yeah huge black eye oh, no. scabs all oh, over her body no. and she's like not old i mean i would oh. say like in her early 20s oh, not that there my heart. like not fully there eating an apple has oh, well, the apple good. core I'm left the apple and she's just holding on to it and she says can i put this somewhere at me and i go uh, trash sure. can probably <laughs> probably in a trash can and she, and she looks at the the girl working the front desk and she's like trash can and she's like, uh, front of the store, right? So that yeah. was well, what I helped. was dealing with. You helped. <laughs> I certainly tried. Yeah. So I got my shot like clockwork. Felt a little light ahead of the first hour. Yeah. Rebounded, felt good. Yeah. Four o'clock in the morning, I feel like I'm going through growing pains. My legs are just like in knots and constricted. Ugh. I get up the next morning. I had stacked my morning work perfectly. Everything was executed perfectly. I took phone calls in bed. Mm. I ate. All the salty, sweet stuff that my body craves in that moment, by 5 p.m., felt great. Yeah. I mean, other than all the food I ingested, which was poison, I felt great. Well, that. And then when I say, hey,
0: do you want to watch the new Jeff Lewis flipping whatever it's called? Kevin goes, oh, I watched them all day upstairs I had to. I had to watch yeah.
1: easily digestible, meaningless television yeah. to get me through the day. And here we are, by hook or by crook, fourth booster I really Cannot emphasize this enough. I don't want a fifth one.
0: And you feel fine though.
1: Oh, I'm great. Yeah. You feel fine. Totally you fine.
0: You did look yesterday. You looked a little peaked. You looked under the for weather. Sure.
1: You were, your energy was waning. I was know. making breakfast and I told you I was probably three to five minutes away first from standing on my feet too long to where I was going to pass out in the middle of that kitchen. Like I made my breakfast. I went upstairs and I laid in bed for the next six hours handled all of the business that I needed to handle. And and I'm telling you, it is so bizarre that even this something that's brand new, like a COVID vaccination, I can already strategize for what it's going to do to myself, which is rundown achiness. Yep. But compared to what other people have said that uh. they endure, vomiting, three days of flu-like symptoms, I mean, I get off very light. And then there's Deb, who it's just like waking up. Yeah, Totally fine. I
0: just get a shot. I continue on. Yeah, Like literally, I don't even, I rub that spot on my arm because you know how everybody goes, oh, but yeah. my arm's really sore yeah. or I can't lift my arm or whatever. Yeah, mm, I'm good. I don't even
1: know where they gave me the shot. If you ask which arm, I couldn't tell you. So there you go. There's the update. Let's get into Deb's business segment. One of the things that we, pretty much by what I say me is Deb and I like yeah. to discuss is like people's emotional acumen or lack thereof, because it really is a big differentiator in the real world, but also in the workplace. And it's really not something that can be taught. It's something that's kind of instilled in you growing up. It's also dependent on what end of the infinite spectrum you fall on, right? And there's easy ways to combat it. And then there's some people who lack it to the point of it's really difficult. So talk to us about that, that really small needle to be thread when it comes to emotional intelligence in the workplace.
0: So this week there was a conversation about, uh, amongst a bunch of us about emotional intelligence. How important is it? I mean, do you even consider it when you hire? Because some companies do, there are actually assessments for it now, and there are different categories of emotional intelligence. And I had a particular opinion and then after the conversation, you know, I can get like really excited about my opinion. After, Don't we all. After the conversation, I was like, am I right? I mean, am I right? And right. so I decided, okay, let's go find out. Yeah. So listened to a couple different podcasts, did a bunch of reading. So here's what I know about emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence to some degree do some people come to the world with it? Yes, of course. I mean, there is some evidence of that, right? Um, I mean, you know, the, that person that is like a crazy math mind, I mean, that just came to the world and understands math equations in a way that none of the rest of us do, right. they came to the planet that right.
1: way, right? And, or there's people who are who are what used to be called street smart. They just kind right. of understand the ebb and flow of everyday life. Exactly, they can read things. Yeah. So
0: really, emotional intelligence is a lot about reading your own emotions and the emotions of others. Uh-huh. And I think a lot of times when we say things like read the room, you know, that's really what we're talking about. Like what is the mood, you know, what is the mood of the room? What's going on here and how do we respond best to it? Sure. Okay. So I listened to Angela Duckworth, like she's the number one um, TED talk woman. She's, I think she, Angela Duckworth is the one that did the, you know, the hero stance, mm. like you yeah. feel more confident and all of that. Um, Listen to Adam Grant, listened to some other people, read some articles. So here's basically the consensus. You could come to the earth not so emotionally intelligent, right? Probably uh, did. I could come to the earth like kind of hyper emotionally intelligent, really in tune. Right. And in fact, there are those people and, you know, some people call them empaths. Some people call them emos. Oh, yeah. But those people that are just like almost
1: too sensitive can... TikTok calls them... Uh emos. Okay. People yeah. who are emotionally in touch with themselves and feel other people's emotions.
0: Right. And so the second, like, I mean, there's a twitch of your eye or your mouth. Yeah. I know what it means, right? So here's one of the things they basically have said is, is there, I'm going to say a natural talent for it. Yep, there is. Okay. Can it also be nurtured, you know, throughout your life, like the way you were raised, the way you were taught to be in touch with your feelings the way you were or taught to not be or have your feelings ignored, right? right? Yeah. I mean, if feelings in your household were always shoved aside, then you probably didn't give much regard to them, right? If something else um, was given more import, right? But here's the thing. They did a test on people that were actually on a spectrum, on an autism spectrum. And it was, you know, like how in touch, how much can they read other people, how much can they read themselves? The people who performed best on the answers of the test than the average person that was thought to be emotionally intelligent were the people that were on the spectrum. Interesting. So the people on the spectrum, whether they can actually perfectly interact with the others, still get it. Does that, there's still... A deep understanding there. So then it becomes, do they have the capacity to execute the understanding? Does mm. that make sense? No, no, that's
1: the differentiator right there.
0: That's the differentiator. So here's what it is. You know that math problem I described yep. that I'll never be able to do? Mm-hmm. And actually, if you put me in front of people on a bo- at a board, I'd have a super heart attack. I mean, I'd have a heart attack by myself, but I would have a real heart attack if I had to do it in front of people, okay? True. That is kind of what this emotional intelligence can be like, meaning people like you and I can kind of go into a room, we can read it, we can see when someone's fearful, we can see when someone's being a little aggressive. I mean, we can just read it, and we have the ability because I think we understand ourselves emotionally to be to counterbalance it you know to to help influence the ebb and the flow of the mood, if you will, yeah, right, yep, we see that we can do the math problem fairly easily by ourselves or up in front of people. Other people missed some of the cues, no question about it. Because they're not even looking for them. Not even looking. They missed some of the cues. They think it's going left. It's really going right. You know, I mean, what can that be? It can feel like awkwardness. It can feel like, whoa, what just happened here? Do you know what I mean? It can also be one of those things where then what do you do with that? Do you say something? Do you not say something like, hey, we were all going left over here. You went right. Come on, come with us. I mean, it really becomes a bit of a quandary. In a lot of America, you know, people get, and I'm not saying get slotted because they because somebody else picked, but get slotted because of their own picks. The guy that may not be emotionally intelligent but loves to do that math problem, he is gonna pick a job that lets him work on that kind of stuff. So his interaction is much less than a job that I might pick. For sure. Right. Yep. Where I want constant people
1: interaction. Like a great representation of that is like IT, like looking at code, figuring out problems. You don't need an extra set of eyes. It is something that you can spend five hours doing before you even know it's nighttime and you miss dinner, right? Or, Or people that
0: just love data. We've got, you know, every industry has those where you can give them information and they love nothing more than reading data, interpreting data. I mean, analyzing things and coming to conclusions, right? And then they have to come up for air and tell us what those things are. But still a lot of their time is spent alone or with talking with other people that speak
1: their language. Conversely, Deb has chosen a profession where she literally has to interact with people multiple times a day. Every single day.
0: Every single day. And I feel like I constantly read the room. I, I mean, I do feel,
1: right. but I also feel like it's easy for me. It's natural. Well, of course, you've had to nurture it because it's been a requirement for you for the better part of 20 years at this point.
0: Right. So here's what I want to say. I don't think, and, and Adam Grant made made some comments about this, and I fully agree with his. If you have a really high emotional intelligence, that's awesome. Yeah. If you have a really high IQ, that's awesome too, right? But if you have a really high emotional intelligence, there's going to be some jobs and some tasks within jobs that are really ideal for you. It's kind of like send in the right people, right? Right. I mean, those, those fit. If you don't have a high IQ, you are every bit as valuable as the person that does.
1: Thank you for saying that to me.
0: You're welcome. However, we shouldn't be sending you in for the same jobs. Right. Like I like if somebody is uncomfortable, can't read a room and is always going left when everybody else is going to go right or just the way they talk, universally we're going to say that they offend people not because they intend to, just because it's their style and they can't again read a room, then that's probably not the best person to have with customer contact, with customer service, right? right but it doesn't mean that they aren't gifted and talented uniquely to do another job that they can also be equally successful at um the other thing that i do think and i think we don't spend enough time with the eq thing is can you get better yes you can is somebody that really doesn't have a propensity for eq at all going to get as good as the person that is naturally that way and really hones it and works it, and you mean like understands it? Probably not. But you know what? Like I said, I'm never going to do that math problem either. I mean, that's not my gift or talent. So are they going to get that good? No. But with coaching, with working, with practice, with mentoring, they can get better. And especially if you have somebody in your employ that does have front-facing, meaning customer-facing skills, you should work with them. And it is is—it is actually a disservice, I think, to not coach them, to not talk about it, to not talk about their lack of EQ and what can we do to make it better, or how can we better design your job so that you literally just get to be successful.
1: Yeah. I'll tell you what's interesting too, because I mean, I guess I label myself as somewhat having emotional intelligence and and being able to read a room, and it's probably because I'm a byproduct of you, where if you can understand somebody before you even meet them, it gives you a big leg up. And Some people would call that judgy, but I call it educational, meaning what can I glean from you prior to even knowing you that's going to help better our understanding of one another and maybe the nurturing of our relationship. One of the things that is an absolute pain point for me as I've gotten older is almost being able to cold call a situation based on the parties involved, seeing it play out, and then not having an emotional reaction to it, even though I already knew what was going to happen or some version of thereof. Right, right. Not having enough control over my emotions, even though I said it's going to be A, B, or C. And then a, B, or C happens, and then I say to myself, "Oh, well, I'm still going to act a certain way because of that, yeah. right? yeah, so there's there's two elements, which is put the right person in the right place to be successful based on their i q or their emotional intelligence. But also you have to nurture that person or you know work with that person to say, "Hey, if you have high emotional intelligence and you can you can kind of dissect what's happening, you still have to be in control of your emotions." Or you still have to be in control of what you say, regardless of you already being able to assess what's happening, right? Right. And that is like my story to learn right now, which is A, patience, but B, if you have the insights and the the wherewithal to see the train coming down the tracks yet you refuse to get off of the tracks it's not the train's fault it's right. yours it's yours exactly and that is it sounds easier than it is in reality because the reality is you still are almost hoping to be wrong in that moment
0: oh of course I mean, it, it's the anticipation, yep. but I'll tell you one thing that I do think you do really well, Kevin, because I watch it in you. We've talked before about how you and I, I mean, we, we know we're outgoing, we know we can, you know, we're comfortable around people, but we both have this thing where if the whole thing is brand new, meaning like we really don't know anybody,
1: yeah, we are like wallflowers. Ugh.
0: And I mean, on the wall, we are oh, literally yeah. Back on the wall to it. Safe space. and we become observers And we, I mean, almost unless somebody comes and pulls us in, we're like, nope, 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 you can't make me. I'm not going in there, you know? Now, once somebody kind of brings us along, then we can join in and then we are, I'm going to say our effervescent selves, right? For sure. Um, And certainly if we know the group, then it's a whole different deal. But I have seen you, when you talk about A, B, C, or D, that kind of thing, I have seen you many times. And so I would encourage you to hone this because I think it is an unbelievable gift, talent, And it's goodness. I see you, instead of slipping into the reaction of what you knew was going to happen, right? I've seen you pull yourself up and put yourself in observer status. Mm. And then you don't react. Then you were like, you're you're Switzerland, you're neutral, you're cool. You can defend both sides. You Like, both people end up loving you. Like, I mean, I've seen it a hundred times and I'm in the middle of like, what the hell? I mean, I thought this was a possibility, but... For God's sakes, what is she thinking? Do you know what I mean? And so I will submit
1: to that You know what that's also a byproduct of? Just getting older and not caring. Not wanting to waste my emotions. I should be able to say that too, Kev. Well, listen, Lord knows that I I have not mastered this thing and I can still be a victim to my own insane feelings in the moment. But I think probably one of the best things about getting older is you start to pick and choose your battles. And when you really don't care you're more than comfortable just to cross your arms, cross your legs, and let the other parties who arbitrarily care figure it out themselves.
0: Well, and and here's the one thing I want to say. Let's not mix up EQ with manners. Yeah. I mean, let's not mix EQ up with just civility. Totally. Let's not mix EQ up with just, I want to say, the normal niceties If you care about building a relationship yeah.
1: with somebody. EQ is not an excuse. Right. It's a reason. Yeah. But it is not the, the period at the end of the sentence. Everybody can be a better version of themselves. Everybody can learn a new skill set. Everybody can take a personality trait and tweak it from instance to instance. EQ behavior within the workplace can always change for the better. Right. It is it is never the the end of somebody's growth.
0: Well and the other thing that EQ isn't EQ isn't unresolved trauma. Well oh, for sure. I mean that's not what it yeah. is. EQ is not PTSD. EQ, those are the things that you're supposed to be working on. I mean, we're sorry, whatever happened, we're sorry. Yeah. But we're all left to work on the trauma that has come into our lives and the things that we have to, you know, honestly deal with, whether they were ours or not. I mean,
1: we have to do it. So don't use it as an excuse. You can always be a better version of yourself.
0: Exactly.
1: Let's play what's Deb. Here's why I like what's Deb. Yeah, we have Deb blindly answer a series of questions. Yeah. Previous tests have been, is Deb a sociopath? And I want to know that this is mildly. Wait, wait, wait. The also, is no, no, Deb no, no, a cop?
0: No. Yeah. See, so See, Deb here we could,
1: go. is a De- well. Actually, Deb is a sociopath who, fortunately, failed to qualify being a cop. I almost became a cop. It was a British cop.
0: It hardly counted. Right. At
1: least you didn't have a gun. I didn't have yeah. a gun. But
0: so here's the thing: I would have been a good American cop.
1: Oh, I think the requirement is being a sociopath to be a good American cop for sure.
0: But. I was a bad British cop. Because you were kind
1: of a sociopath.
0: Kind of. But I'm not a sociopath. I literally answered one question wrong. That's all it took. One.
1: That's all it took. Ugh. And the question was, do you enjoy harming young kids and animals? <laughs> that was not the question. <laughs> and it was an emphatic the yes. The question
0: was something like, like you know, if you know that you could like mildly influence or possibly manipulate somebody yeah. to come your way, yeah. would you do it? With a knife.
1: No. <laughs> the question so here's what's great about this it can we we have concentrated on like um uh personality traits yeah, right sociopath yeah. we've concentrated on jobs this segment can be anything it can okay. be like what john yeah. grisham novel are you
0: i understand that except what it's going to be at the end of the day mm-hmm. like in the end you know how people say the end yeah like the end the yeah. end uh-huh. the end i'm going to be like A narcissistic sociopath, non-cop that that loves John Grisham novels and never eats noodles. That's a
1: blueberry. Okay, there you go. Ten questions. Okay. Halfway through, I'll let you guess what you could possibly be. At the end, you can guess what you think the test is. You can guess what you think you are, and then I'll reveal the answer. Okay. All right. First question. Okay. To the exam, the test. Have you been reprimanded? On more than one occasion for not leaving a big enough tip? Yes or no? Never. No. Do you use coupons when shopping, even though you can afford to pay full price?
0: Mm, I mean, I have used cu- coupons, but I don't I don't use them very
1: often. Yes or no? You can't. I mean, I think I always could have paid full. So yes. Okay, let's go with yes. You do use coupons, even though you could have paid full price. I have used coupons, even though I could have paid full price. Have you ever bought an article of clothing and worn it with the tags on, knowing you were going to return it the next day? Absolutely not. I'm not my child. Kevin would have a hard yes on this one. (laughs) That's a no. Question number four. As a birthday gift, have you ever offered to take your love interest away for a weekend they suggest a hotel that is out of your price range what would you do would you suck it up and foot the bill would you suggest splitting the cost would you tell your significant other because it's their idea they should pay
0: oh that's such a good question i have done that i've mm-hmm. taken that away um
1: Would you, would you pay for it entirely if it's their suggestion? Would you ask to split it? Don't
0: you feel like that's bold for that person to suggest
1: that? I think that's the reason behind this particular question.
0: So what are my choices of what I can do? So
1: you want to take somebody away. Yeah. They suggest you stay at a really expensive high end hotel. Yeah. You say, that's fine. I'll pay for it. Okay. You say, Hey, well, let's split it. Yeah. Or you say, no, no, no. You pay for it.
0: Oh, those are bad choices. Um, I think I mean, I'm married. I mean, kind of all of our money is the same, but uh, but we do each squirrel away our own money. Mm, Little squirrel money. Um, If it were really really expensive, I might say split it. Okay, it was their idea. Yeah, split
1: it. Question five: You're out with friends for dinner. When the waiter brings the bill to the table, what do you do? Do you wait to see if someone offers to pick up the tab? Do you pay your share? Do you go to the bathroom and hope by the time you get back? The bill's paid.
0: I almost always will make an effort for the bill.
1: Okay. Yep. Pay your share. At least. Okay. Or, or, got it. Five questions. What do you think we're testing here? Uh, Whether or not I'm stingy or generous or something like that. Whether or not she's stingy or generous. Question six. You're on your way home when your gas light goes on. Do you keep driving until you find the cheapest gas price around? Yes or no? No. She goes to Costco. Mm Mm-hmm. Have you ever regifted a gift even though you would have been able to afford a new one? Yes or no? Yes. Oh, I know this is going to go bad for me. Big time, yes. <laughs> have you ever been late for dinner with friends because you were trying to find a free parking spot? No. I've been late, but not for that reason. <laughs> for sure. Do you insist that people pay their share of a small price like a joint birthday gift? Nope. Yes or no? No. Nope. No. Do you do most of your shopping at the dollar store, even though you could afford name brand places? No. Deb, what do you think you are? I'm going to stick with stingy or generous or something like that. You just took the cheap test. Oh, the cheap, whether I'm cheap. okay. And your score is you are not a penny pincher. Oh, in fact, you seem to be fairly generous when it comes to money and you won't hesitate to chip in or splurge whenever you've got the means. You don't go out of your way to hunt down the best bargains and you pretty much ignore the price tag on the stuff you do buy.
0: I don't know if I like that. Ignore the price. Um, but, she definitely doesn't
1: ignore the price. I don't. She the loves price. a good deal.
0: I love a good deal, and I am really. I want to say that I am um, a good steward of my money, for sure. But I also think I'm generous. I do think I'm generous. You're
1: not trapped by money, meaning you don't view money as this like finite commodity that you're never going to get back, right? right? I mean, one of the things everybody who tells you who deals in money is. You, you have to let money almost have this sense of freedom, right? It, it'll yeah. go away. It'll come back to you. It's this, it's this ever-evolving evolution where one day you have enough, one day you don't have enough, but it'll it's cyclical. Like money in is everything. energy. Right. Money is energy. It and, has to move. And if you try to like dig your talons into it and hold on to it, it's the worst possible thing. But arbitrarily, if you're just spending it willy-nilly and don't have any appreciation for it, that's bad too. Deb, you're right where you need to be, middle of the road. So
0: give it to me. I'm a sociopath, not a very good cop. Right.
1: That is generous. You're a financially generous, poor, (laughs) sociopathic cop. There we go. You're a financially generous washed out sociopathic cop.
0: Okay, there you go. I mean, I can I can do that. I mean, I like the generous part, you know. Yeah,
1: you yeah, the money thing you're cool with. Yeah. But because you're a sociopath, you're clearly using it to manipulate people. Yeah. But fortunately, the I'm UK police department recognized that in you.
0: But America would have hired me. We know that.
1: I think you've passed every necessary test to be an American cop at this point. Yeah, for sure. Other than being a female.
0: Yeah. That's well, probably
1: the only thing going against you right now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you would hope that that wasn't the case. Well, I mean, listen, I'm sure I'm sure cops, I'm sure, you know, agencies all around the United States are in need of help at this point. Good help. yeah, Smart help. help you, should, the c- you, you should just actually go apply to be a cop and see what happens.
0: I just think as soon as I put my birthday down, it'd be all over. They'll be like, who are you applying for? Yeah. All the people that need help.
1: Me. Yeah. When you say me, is there somebody <laughs> behind you? I mean, me, me, me. I think you need some wisdom. It says here knee replacement, though. (laughs) I think you need some wisdom on the police department. All right, Deborah. Speaking of wisdom, I don't know what that means. Do you want to talk about dinner? Do you want to talk about thankful? Do you want to talk about something entirely different? What dealer's choice? Well, we are
0: taping this on a Saturday. Correct. We are going to be traveling. So why don't we take a picture of one of our dinners when we're traveling?
1: Oh, Deb is trying to play the future card here, Mm -hmm. where she's saying, even though we have three days to cook a meal, Mm -hmm. we don't want to cook that meal. We want to go somewhere. Well,
0: because let me tell you about the meal you're going to get.
1: If it's in this house yeah oh, okay
0: okay so I can tell you well, let me
1: I, tell you about the last two meals in this house they've well, been non-existent <laughs> so one was Deb makes a great chicken salad I do great chicken salad yeah the chicken salad she made the other night was fantastic it was the accoutrement associated <laughs> with it that was like yeah what's the minimal effort Deb can do here <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> which I'm not judging Listen. I'm just saying we have actually used a, the chicken salad as a dinner thing before. And if you go scroll back through our Instagram, you can see it. It's beautiful. What Deb (laughs) threw together the other night was like, what is this?
0: Well, but normal families would have loved it because I'm telling you, you are
1: spoiled. Here's the other thing that Deb, Deb and I got into a heated conversation with last (laughs) night. So while I was recuperating from my vaccination, which I know feels ironic seeing as I'm trying to do it to stop, to have to recuperate from COVID itself. We were downstairs. You had you were out with a friend. We you came home a little late. I was obviously still upstairs um, recuperating. We were in the kitchen. We were talking, and I was like, "I think I'm gonna just make like a really small peanut butter and jelly sandwich." And you said, "Hey, leave that bread out because I'm gonna make French toast." <laughs> For the first time <laughs> in my life, I watched my mom <laughs> make something, and I was like, "Oh my god, I make that better than she does." <laughs> So it was a fast frozen it bread. Looked it looked was... like the way you were making it, I was like, why are, why are you even going to eat this? It was great. Well, because I looked at you and I said, now add some vanilla to that, right? <laughs> yeah, add, add some, some butter in the pan, beer, yeah. put some cinnamon in this. Deb would have just fried dry bread. Listen,
0: I was hungry. I normally make great French toast, but you did say... That, well, actually, you said Aunt Ginny and Isabel and Grandma Barbara would yeah. roll over in their graves. They would be so disappointed yeah, the way you were making it. so disappointed. I'll tell
1: you this. So here's, here's what I've uh, cobbled together from the internet for my French toast recipe, right? Obviously, the egg wash. Yeah. If you have heavy cream, put some heavy cream heavy in there. Heavy cream makes a huge difference. Let's get together. Yep. Cinnamon. Yep. Vanilla. Yep. Little bit of salt. Yep. And then uh, if you want to get a little sweeter... Cause sometimes the sweetness actually comes from the powder sugar. Yeah. You can take uh a little stevia, because yep. that'll actually dissolve in there, right? Yep. Then you soak the bread, like you soak it a minute each side.
0: Frozen bread doesn't soak. I'm just telling
1: you that. Okay. okay? Well All then right? if you would have done right? the extra effort to de-thought. but then when you put it in the pan, it's it's olive oil to cook it, butter for the flavor. Yeah. And you you put it at the most, like out of a ten out of Mm -hmm. a scale of one to 10, you put it at like five. Okay. And just let it. And you let it simmer because it's not going to overcook, but it's going to get that nice crunch. Which we love the crunch on the outside for sure. Flip it. And then like once it starts kind of like getting those bigger bubbles around the side, then you know it's done and you can serve it and it's fantastic.
0: When we had the restaurant, we also, they put orange zest, Mm, which was
1: great in the French
0: toast. Um, no, last night was a sad night for meals around here. Horrible night. And I'm thinking if I look at what we actually have, I mean, dad is just begging me to go to Costco to get some coffee pods yeah. for him. But when I'm thinking what we have, it's going to look something like, I mean, I've got red potatoes in there. I've got yeah. onions. I've got garlic. I've got eggs. We're going to rehydrate some beef jerky. <laughs> be like fried, a bunch of fried potatoes with some beautiful little fried eggs on top. It'll look like a little breakfast for dinner. Or...
1: Here's what we'll do. We can take pictures. For the very first travel. time, we'll outsource this what's for dinner segment yep. to a restaurant or to somebody else. Yeah. And we will take photos of it okay, in the upcoming week. Ah, that feels like relief to me. I'm sure it does.
0: Yeah. So well, that's, so we're not saying what's for dinner. It'll be a surprise
1: to both of us to both. and everybody watching, <laughs> And everybody watching. What are you thankful for Plus, this week?
0: You know, we have had a couple of tough weeks. I mean, a lot. Yep. Right? We had a friend pass away. Um, I had to travel this week Daddy is having um, a new regime of treatment that is like, ugh, it is brutal to watch. I yeah. mean, so we, uh, there's a lot of, I'm just going to say, heaviness dripping around us. Roe versus Wade, all of that. Um, but there are still, I, I and I say this, amazing, amazing, amazing things to be grateful for. Yeah. And one of the things that I am really grateful for is that we. Um, and this just is gonna sound so weird because I mean we've been grateful for friends before, but I am telling you the friends that are kind enough just to say, How are you doing? And yesterday I got a number of texts, all from men, all that live in other countries, that after the Roe versus Wade thing came out said, How are you doing? Right. I mean, some of them might have said, what the hell is happening in America, right? right? I'm Trust not gonna us, we're lie. asking
1: the same question. Um,
0: and I, me too. I, I think I said to all of them, I'm thinking about going to Canada, which then going, Ryan Reynolds said, we can't do that anymore. We can't default to Canada. But I And he's am, Canadian. And he's Canadian. Uh, I am so grateful to the people that check in on us, that check in on us because of dad, that check in on us because they know we've lost another friend. Um, but then yesterday, there is something meaningful that people from other countries, this hits them hard. We are a beacon for what goes on around the world. And that men from other countries were like, What the hell? Do you know what I mean like, are you okay? What is going on? So I'm grateful for all of them.
1: I agree. Uh, kind of piggybacking off of that, just in a little different way, uh, I'm just super thankful. I, I work with a, a, a great group of people who all happen to be women, many of whom listen to this podcast. And there is no sweeter treat in the world than enjoying the people you work with. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, because we have the majority of us probably have a lot of apathy, if not disdain, for people we used to call coworkers, yeah, so to find a group of people, which is a very substantial group of people who you thoroughly enjoy, who you look forward to working with who you trust, who you can bounce ideas off of in a safe place and who you know have your proverbial back should push come to shove, it makes work effortless. Yeah. And it it buys you that equity that we've talked about to the depths of which you can't even quantify should you have a rough patch, should you go, you know, horns to horns eventually. It's it's rooted in wanting the best for one another. So To have a, a great and substantial personal life that is mirrored by a professional life makes moments like we're enduring both personally and globally much more palatable. So shout out to all those amazing people.
0: Well, and it is is—it is a reminder to people, for all those people that are listening, thinking, well, good for you, Kevin, but I can't stand anybody I work with.
1: Yeah. One of the Quit things, your job, go find new people.
0: I'm telling you, go look for new people. I know nobody can just quit their job, but go look for new people. There are good people out there. There are outstanding, extraordinary people out there. Find your people. Find them. Find them. Both professionally and
1: personally. Yep. That's going to do it for this Monday episode of the Deb and Kev podcast. Remember to like, rate, and review wherever you listen to this podcast. And you can follow us on all of our social channels at Deb and Kev pod. Mom and all of the women out there, both in America and abroad, who are constantly fighting for equal rights. I love you to death. And we love you. We'll see you guys on Thursday.
0: Thank you for listening to the Deb and Kev podcast. Remember to like and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. Follow Deb and Kev on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter at Deb and Kev Pod.